is this time well spent or can I crank out a couple more pages in the next work? And I've always got a next work going. Welcome to The Author Biz, the show that's all about the business of being an author. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and this is episode number 50. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. You know, there are a lot of things we hear from experts that we take as fact. Experts might be consultants, they might be publishers, they might be other writers. But once things are said often enough, they can become accepted truths. My guest in this episode has made it his business over the past few years to ignore that expert advice and to focus on one primary objective. It's not his website, which he doesn't have. It's not social media, which he uses but finds increasingly less effective. And it's not even his mailing list. Right. I know, I I hear what you're thinking, and I don't disagree. You have to have a website. I personally agree with that. You have to have a website. Uh, but, But my guest today doesn't have a website. You know, we all know that you need to spend a certain amount of time on social media. You need to manage your email list. You need to do all these things, right? Well, my guest doesn't really do all these things, but he's still been successful. How successful, you might ask? In the past few years, Mike Pharisee has gone from being a part-time writer who wrote around his day job to someone who's now a full-time author. Mike's just published the 12th book in his Dev Haskell PI series, and in September he's launching a new series. So things are going pretty well for Mike. Oh, and what's that one thing that Mike Pharisee focuses on? You probably already guessed. But you can check yourself by listening to his answer to my very first question. Mike Pharisee, welcome to the Author Biz. Hey, thank you, Steve. Great to be here. I appreciate the time. Great to chat with you again. I'll let listeners know that I'm a big fan of your books. I have read, I'm almost through the one that was just released, uh, but I've read all of them, all 12 of them plus a novella. Do I have that right? Or is it 12 including the novella? Uh, I think it's uh, 12 plus. Uh, uh, the, the last one, the one you're on now is Doggone. Uh, I always tell people they can be read in any order, uh, but they are a series. And uh, I was a little taken aback by the amount of people who want to start at number one and work their way through. So that's terrific for me. I have been following you on Facebook for a long time, and for some reason or other, I'd never read any of your books. I don't know why, because I have so many books to read. And you did some sort of, you you wrote the novella, and I thought, I'm going to try the novella, see if I like it. Mm -hmm. And I tried it, loved it, and then went back to Russian Roulette and have just been working my way through the series. And I'm all caught up now, so now it's, you're so prolific, it's like every two months (laughs) there's another book. So it took me a while to get caught up. It's like a moving target. That makes me the most boring guy in town. You know, that's all I do is sit by myself and write. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's get into it. And, and sure. let's, let's start talking about your author business. Okay. What's one thing that you can tell our listeners that you feel like has been one of the biggest contributors to your success so far with your business? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to give a bit of a rambling answer. Um, 
anyone who's involved, the business is constantly changing and the technology changes. And what worked, I won't even say a year ago, even six months ago, um, everyone jumps on board and it, it, it becomes sort of neutralized as far as a unique thing. So one, you've got flexible. But in, in all honesty, the biggest thing for me, I made a concerted effort to stop doing everything that everyone said. I, I basically stopped doing huge blog tours, which I took very seriously. And every night I'd spend about three hours answering the questions and submitting them and then uh, hanging on their sites. And if someone responded, I'd respond to them and all that happy stuff. Um, I stopped uh, scrambling around trying to get more and more friends on Facebook. And I came down to just one thing. Let's write the next book and let's make it better than the one before. And it, 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 it's just real basic. I, I don't do blogs anymore. I, I don't do um, writer's workshops or uh, online discussing uh, problems. I, just sit down and, and, and do the job. I mean, I saw a comic the other day about we all need a muse. And my muse would be uh, uh, the sort of a shadow right behind me with a gun held to my head that says, <laughs> hey, pal, write the next 10 pages. Let's get going here. And that's what I do. <laughs> Uh, and and that's worked um, very well. I've got enough. <clears throat> I'm getting enough product out there, if I can use that term, uh, that that people start to take an interest or more of an interest. Um, that said, the other aspect that I've done is I've realized uh, I can't do everything, and I went through a series of, I'd say, four, possibly five. Uh, hookups with um, individuals who are going to make me the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I was just uh, awesome. Yeah, three hundred dollars <laughs> away from uh, being uh, the next New York Times bestseller. Uh, if only I did this. And what I found was I, I was paying in advance for marketing expertise that was no different than anyone else was doing, and it it just you know God bless them, but it wasn't working for me. I did land on someone who does marketing for me. They don't take upfront money. They take a percentage. Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing well, they're doing well. And if I'm not doing well, they're not. And, and that's the incentive. It sounds real basic. But those two things of just cranking out the next book and then having contact with someone who can get me on BookBub on a regular basis, uh, do some other promo stuff. Uh, right now, the hottest thing, and, and this will change down the line, certainly, but is building a mailing list. Right. So on uh, your pre-releases or whatever other information you're dis uh, dispensing, you can get to individuals directly. And, and I'm working on that, but I'm, I'm keeping it real simple, uh, real simple. And that that seems to be working. How how are you keeping building the mailing list simple? Um, what I'm doing, in fact, um, I expect to see the cover today. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote an, uh, another novella. Uh, I'll be posting that, and the only way to get it is subscribe to my mailing list. Okay. Uh, that'll be in the back of all my books. Uh, so anyone who reads a book, 
uh, will see that and they can click on it. And if they don't, that's, you know, fine. God bless them. But um, hopefully people will. Um, and, and again, as you say, you know, you read uh, that and you think, oh, this, this guy might be okay. Yes. Um, so yeah. away we'll go. And, yeah. it, and it's an incentive for people to just get that information. Uh, you know, I, I'm, the only way I use the mailing list is to announce a, a new release. I'm not sending things out daily or weekly or even monthly. So uh, it's um, short and sweet. Yeah, I can say I, I do remember now because that's the way I bought your last book was I got the email that said the book's out. And I clicked on the link and bought the book and then it just stayed in the queue until it was time. It, it was time for me to read it. But yeah. I don't you don't have a website, do you? Um, I, <laughs> I had one. And it was so horribly outdated. I, I took it down. I've got someone coming up with, you know, they're doing the new one. That'll be up probably this month. Again, that is merely a stop. That's not where people are going to go to purchase my books. They're going to go on Amazon. It's as simple as that. So. Right. It's some general information, uh, articles I've written for various publications, um, you know, around the, the industry. And, and, you know, if you want to ch- click on that, great. And if you don't, that's fine, too. Uh, well, wh- one of the things that's interesting is there's, there's sort of a process that people say we need to go through as authors to build a platform. The first thing mm-hmm. you have to have is a website. The second thing is this Facebook stuff and Twitter stuff. And, you know, the, the, you do some of those things. Uh, but yeah. you kind of – you either skipped over or just said, I, I'm not bothering with this website thing anymore. Uh, you do have a mailing list, and most people use the website as the jumping-off point not only to, to go buy books at Amazon but also to sign up for the uh, the mailing list. But mm-hmm. you're getting along just fine without that. And, and so that yeah. people know how well you're getting along, uh, at some point over the course of the last few years, you became a full-time writer. And it's yeah, all that, through this right. – uh, essentially this Dev Haskell series that you write. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's we, been a process. It's, it's, it's grown nicely. I, you know, I'm very happy with that. Now, at what point, and this is, again, general rules that you hear. I listen to a lot of author podcasts. I talk to a lot of people, and, and things quickly go from, oh, you know, someone said this to accepted uh, fact. And one of those quote-unquote accepted facts is that a series doesn't take off until the fifth book. Uh, when did your series take off? I, uh, oddly enough, I'd say right around the fifth book. Okay, good. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that clicks with people that, hey, this actually is a series and this guy is legit or, you know, sincere or whatever. But right around then, it, it, it started to click. And I noticed it in a, in a couple of ways. One was the beginning of a modest, and I stress modest, increase in sales. But the other thing that was happening was suddenly... I was getting friend requests on uh, Facebook. Uh, people were making comments. Um, I, I try and stay away from um, uh, my reviews. I mean, I, I, I look at them and stuff, but, uh, you know, if, if someone doesn't like my book and they they write a, a review I'm not thrilled about, okay, fine. If I can contact them, I, I, I would. And, and in most cases, I have been able to... Uh, convert them to um, um, stalwart fans. Uh, I get emails uh, on occasion. My email address is in all all my books, so people can contact me directly. And um, th- this is a perfect example. I, I I got an email from a woman who uh, uh, read my. In fact, it was uh, book number four, and she sent an email and she said, "You know, I really like your books, but um, well." 
the dev always ends up with with a gorgeous, well endowed young woman, and um, that's not me anymore. And she sort of paraphrased a number of emails I'd gotten, and and uh, uh, I, I should pause here and say that uh, it became very clear to me, at least. Uh, regarding the people who respond and do reviews and stuff, the vast majority are women, uh, which sort of surprised me. But, you know, that's great. Yeah, surprises um, me too. Uh, although, they, you know, if you do any research, they buy the majority of books. Um, you know, they're, they're doing all the reading and stuff. Uh, anyway, I got this email from this woman, and, and I thought to myself, huh, that's interesting. So I wrote book number five, which is Tutti Fruity. Mm-hmm. And uh, in it, uh, Dev Haskell ends up with a woman about 12 years older than he is. And uh, they have a relationship um, that he just can't keep up with. And at one point, he's got to go into a meeting and he has to stand during the meeting uh, because she spanked him so hard the night before he can't sit down. And I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, but it made me think, um, you know, let's pay attention to what people are saying. And, and that's worked very, very very well for me. All right. Now, since you mentioned that, and I, I, I remember that book clearly, and I remember the change, but we need to, I think we need to describe the book now so that people understand what we're talking about with regard to the series. Dev Haskell is a, I would describe it as a lighthearted, fun PI series. And yeah. uh, Dev does have, let, let's say, a very active sex life. Yep. And uh, he, he has a bunch of interesting friends, but it's in no way Fifty Shades of Grey. So, you know, when no, you, when you no. mentioned the uh, he's sore from spanking, I wanted to be sure that people understood what we were talking about here. Yeah, the the uh, the, the sex scenes in the Dev Haskell uh, thing, uh, that's pretty sort of typical, you know, over a number of glasses of wine or you know, something, someone, uh, a woman, uh, you know, removes her, her top. Uh, and the next thing, uh, she's kissing dead Dev goodbye because she's got to get to work early and he sleeps in until eleven o'clock. I mean, there's no uh, there's no intimate uh, or graphic sex scenes uh, whatsoever. Uh, and, and you know, people aren't reading my books for that stuff. That, right? You know, they, they they'll buy Fifty Shades and, and and God bless the writer. But uh, but I do remember that that change with with the woman and I don't remember her name in in Tutti Fruity. And, and at first, because I'm a guy, I'm like. Hmm, I don't know if I like this. But then it quickly, you know, the relationship was so interesting that uh, I, I wound up loving it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she's got some um, she's got some associates in that book too that are uh, Dev's got to be wary of. So it uh, it works out. Um, I sort of generally describe him as possibly the cityest lazy p laziest pi. <laughs> so, and it, it's also you you state this in some of your marketing material. You're not solving world problems with these books. These are no. fun, entertaining books. Yeah, and, and entertaining is one of the key words. I mean, that, I, I love to entertain people. Um, uh, yeah, he's not solve, uh, saving the world from terrorists or international bank conspiracies. I, you know, I'm a voracious reader, and I, um, while I enjoyed uh, a number of books, uh, you know, when someone's uh, parachuting onto the uh, the roof of the White House to save the president, yeah, okay, or yeah. Uh, the former special forces guy who uh, doesn't want to be pushed, but you pushed him too far, and now he's coming back with a vengeance. You know, okay. And, and they're great tales. I love them. It's just not my stuff. Yes, and it's one of the things that makes your series unique 
and fun is just dev and and this character world that you've built. And we'll get back to all of that in a little bit. But you started by writing standalone novels, and then I, eventually I you hit on on dev. And uh, is that something that you look back on now? Do you wish you'd started writing a series sooner? Um, yes, absolutely. But having said that, uh, and I should back up when I said, you know, in the series, book number five is where it really started clicking, which happened to be Tutti Fruity, we mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, I had five or six standalones prior to that. So it's number five in the series, but it's about number 10 or 11 uh, in in the um, titles that I had available at the time. I, I wrote, as, as Steve, if you look at my standalone series Mm -hmm. you can see dev or standalone series excuse me just the standalones (laughs) right you can see dev developing unbeknownst to me uh and when i wrote russian roulette that was just the next book uh, a standalone and as i got more into it i thought hey wait a minute this this can work i can here it is hello you know wake up uh, and uh, that's that's what started. But there's developmental things in the other tales, and they're all set in in my region. Um, and and you know you go back and read them, and yeah, you, you see the thing happening. Um, they have um, they perform okay for me. It's great. I mean, one of the things that I did with the series, and again back to sort of. Um, one of the things that worked, I was with a publisher for a while, um, someone handling my stuff, and they, they redid all my dev covers. While they were nice covers, it, it really gave the impression of more of a romance novel. I mean, sort of the guy with the six-pack uh, uh, midsection and, and the you know the bare chest and stuff. And mm-hmm. Come on, that's not my stuff. Uh, anyway, I changed those uh, covers and went back and did a whole series of covers. They're all similar. Um, you know, my name's at the top, always in uh, white copy, uh, sort of a, a, a comic uh, a cartoonish sketch uh, for the cover, the title, and then it says below that, uh, Dev Haskell Mystery, whatever number it is, uh, you know, 12 right now. Um, th- those covers and giving it a real series uh appeal and uh, have have made a difference clearly and, and you're right they all do look it, it's obvious when you see one that it's a dev haskell book which is it's yeah. it's hard to do when you do a cover it, it's very hard to do um i had a in my standalone um and and then my my early um doing the covers myself on the dev haskell oh i think it was up to number four, uh, you know, uh, probably like a lot of people do. I had a pal photograph it who's a photographer, and we'd do a site, and, you know, it cost me a couple of beers and dinner to have him do that, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they, and they were fun images, but they didn't give that impression of a series. I mean, you had to read down the page, oh, this is, uh, this is part of the series. And even though I had it on the cover, I mean, you've got to remember... Um, particularly on, on Amazon, you know, until you click on it, um, the image people see is about the size of a post stamp. Now, at, at what point during the process, we, we've described a process where you were writing standalones, you wrote uh, five standalones, and then you began writing the series. At what point did you transition into becoming a full-time writer? Um, I was at about number two. Nine in the series. Okay. 
and uh, you know it's it's uh, basic economics um, and I'm sure a lot of people would say this I mean on the one hand you've you've, you've got uh, your best month ever and then that's followed by uh, something that knocks you back by about eight months as far as income you're going oh god you know uh, what what difference and the difference might be a variety of things not the least is the time of the year right um you know the the holiday season can be great i've had a couple of good ones but i've had some that have been disastrous uh you know god even the news uh if there's something uh, dreadful that happens that you know people aren't going out to buy my books um so uh, basically, what happened is um, um, uh, frugal at the insistence of my wife. Uh, we basically built up what what I refer to as a go to hell fund, mm-hmm. uh, enough money in the bank to carry us over for the lean months. And uh, the lean months now, and there are lean months, uh, are not as substantial as they were three years ago. When you say not as substantial, you mean not as bad as they were three not years as, ago? Not as bad, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, they still are. I mean, it's there's always been an upward trend, but it's sort of a an up-and-down line gradually moving up. Does that translate? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like the, Kind of like we hope the stock market, uh, the direction exactly. we hope the stock market takes. Um, exactly, yeah. Is, yeah. is there an obvious uh, correlation, and can you plan for... Uh, those good months when there's a new book release, or or is that does that fluctuate as well? Um, it sort of fluctuates. Um, right now, I've got enough. Um, when I do a pre-release, uh, when that thing goes live, I'm usually in my genre. I'll pick up a number one spot for a day or two on Amazon Mm -hmm. just because I have a big number that drops that day. Right. Um, If I've got a BookBub ad, that'll give me another three or four days on uh, Amazon. That's great. Um, Those things help uh, in in two ways. One, I'm readily identifiable to a number of people who perhaps, perhaps haven't heard of me or read my my work uh the other thing is at some point and i haven't figured out their algorithm but amazon picks you up and and suddenly you're in these ads that go out to people that uh, mm-hmm. if you like this you might like and i might have anywhere from one to five or six books in there i never get a notice of when they're going to do that uh I, I as i say i don't know what their algorithm is god bless them but you're happy to see it when it happens yeah very happy to see it now yeah. do you try and coordinate your bookbub advertising with new releases uh not exactly um i i i try and keep a a new release date away from the bookbub date just to sort of give me call it two events in the month not on top of one another okay um that said um, you you can only schedule bookbub uh, a month in advance, so we're always trying to, um, to be aware of of when the release date is and, and move away from that. However, if bookbub said, "Well, we could only give you this date, and it's your release date," I'd take it. You know, mm-hmm. it, would, it would still be uh, decent. So another thing that you do that's it's not completely unique, but for someone with the number of titles that you have, it's kind of unique, is that you're totally Amazon-focused. Your books aren't on iTunes. They're not anywhere else. They're at Amazon, and obviously that's a conscious decision. So walk us us through the reasoning for that. Um, Well, the reasoning is... 
I'm, I'm doing well with Amazon. Uh, the majority of my books are on KDP Select. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get the uh, the Kindle uh, uh, download thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's worked fair for me. It'll be interesting to see. They just changed that program uh, uh, this month. In right. fact, I think on the fifteenth they have uh, results coming out. That'll be interesting to see. I I was on a couple of other sites earlier on with my uh, standalones, and they they went absolutely nowhere. Uh, and in the time it took me, um, and I'm a bit of a Neanderthal when it comes to technology, but in the time it took me to upload a new title on, on four or five different sites, uh, I could write two or three more pages in right. the next work. And, and, and that's kind of my thought process always with, with this stuff is, uh, you know, is, is this time well spent or can I crank out a couple more pages in the next work? And I've always got a next work going. Right. Um, I work seven days a week. Um, uh, I might've told you earlier, uh, my wife and I have a long distance marriage. So she's in Dublin. I'm in Minnesota. Um, in fact, right now she just left a week ago, uh, and is back in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, when she's gone, I'm, I'm going seven days a week and, and they're, they're long days, 14, 16 hours, but it's not work. I love doing it. You mentioned the uh, the change that's that's coming with uh, the KDP Select and, and yeah. the way that borrows are recorded. What what do you think about that? What do you think is going to be the impact? Because we don't um, know yet. I, I, uh, it'll be interesting. My sense is for the majority of people like me, and by that I mean I've got, uh, call it, you know, full-size books out there, mm-hmm. uh, 250, 300 pages. I don't think... I'm going to see much of a change. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I was just curious as to yeah, what you thought. I think the people who are going to see a change are the the folks who did, uh, oh, a lot of short novellas, 20, 30 pages, right. and they were still knocking down, uh, call it a dollar thirty or 35 whatever they were doing on KU. Uh, they might see a change. Yeah, uh, or the uh, people that would write a book and then say, "Oh, I'm just going to serialize this and and have yeah. a bunch of twenty page novels," uh, which which made sense as a way of gaming the system. But I, I agree with you. I, I I think for the most part, the people that read your books once they get started, they're going to want to finish them. And I, I would guess you're not going to see much of a change. But it'd be interesting to hear how it goes here in, in yeah, a couple months. I I have to applaud Amazon. I I suspect they had some. Negative comments, maybe even complaints uh, from people who said, um, you know, this guy who wrote 20 or 30 pages or is serializing uh, is getting the same amount I am. Right. Um, That doesn't seem fair. I think that had to have some input there. And, uh, boy, they are nothing but sharp. And um, I I should say right now I've I've dealt with them a lot uh, over the phone uh, just asking for help and stuff. They could not be more helpful all the time. Uh, they, they are really, really good. Okay, one, one last question, and this, this gets back to what we talked about in the very beginning with, uh, with how focused you are on doing what you do and mm-hmm. uh, sort of ignoring the rest. You don't do audiobooks, and no. only a few of your books are available as paper. Why not? Um, a, a very simple reason. Um, well, there's actually a couple of reasons. One, uh, it takes some time to uh, reformat it and mm-hmm. uh, get the cover. You know, I've got the cover, but then I've got to do copy on the back cover and stuff. I just rather crank out a. My my books come out on paper. I don't know, probably ninety days after okay. a release, something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the other thing is I had an experience where I really thought, you know, this would be great locally. I'd love to get in some bookstores. And I took I took my books uh, and brought them to two very popular bookstores here in town. Uh, and and I could not have been treated nicer. I mean, the people. If you've got a minute, we'd like to get your information. I can give you these books. Great. We'll put them on consignment. We'll let you know how they do. I think one book got or one store got five books. The other one got four. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took down my information. Okay, that was on a that was on a Saturday. Monday morning, I had my daughters and a pal go into both bookstores and buy them all. So I'm, I'm, they've, they've sold out in uh-huh. 24 hours, okay? Never heard a word. Never got a call for a reorder. Never asked if I could uh, bring more books over. Uh, never sent me a, uh, a check. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, two bookstores not related to one another. Two independents. Interesting. And uh, yeah, it's not a big deal. It, you know, we're probably talking 50 or 60 bucks total. And I use that as a lesson. Mm-hmm. That I would rather just be online. I probably sell for every ink on paper book. I probably move fifteen hundred to two thousand ebooks. And wow, you know, that's, a, that's that's a huge disparity. And and you're right. Yeah. The time it takes to format for paper, and the effort and expense that it takes. Uh, in a lot of cases, I I can see how it's just not worth it. But then then there is that desire that so many people have to be able to hold the book and get a picture oh, taken with the book, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and that, that's valid. And, and I hear a lot of times from people, oh, you know, I just like the feel of a book. And, you mm-hmm. know, da, da, da. and when I hear that, I, I think two things. One, um, by and large, you're probably over 50. Two, um, you're not exactly in my demographic. I'll work very hard to give you a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes uh, if I meet someone here in town or anywhere and they say that, I'll get a book to them. You know, just give them one. Here, read this. And the rest of them are available online, that type of thing. Uh, that, that works okay. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I don't lose any sleep over it. You know? What about audio? Because your series seems like it would be a natural for audio to me. Yeah, I've I've thought about it. I even thought about doing it myself, which is probably a real bad. That's idea. That's a really bad idea. Yeah. Not that you don't have a good voice, but it's <laughs> no, a really no, bad exactly, idea. <laughs> exactly. You know, God, God. Uh, but but I haven't pursued it. I don't know. Um, it's it's a realm. At least my my sense is again. Um, is it a part of the market? Yeah, certainly. I don't know how much it would actually. I mean, down to dollars and cents. I don't know how much it would equate to. Yeah, especially in your genre. I've I've spoken to people who write in different genres where mm-hmm. uh, there's a larger percentage of the work that's uh, listened to rather than read, yeah. um, and and they're astonished at what they make. But I don't think that's the case in the mystery genre. I I, I think that's one of the ones, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I get the sense from talking to people that uh, the audio is not a big part of their revenue makeup. Yeah, I don't know. Then you see guys like uh, Russell Blake comes to mind. He's, mm-hmm. you know, everything's in audio with him, and he's yep. always hustling. Uh, it's been interesting just watching people like that. I would call him and a number of other people uh, sort of front runners, you know, and then the rest of us uh, play catch up, yeah. and they're on to something new again. But Yeah, uh, and, and you are... What makes you so unique is that you're not really playing catch up. You caught on to the I'm going to write a lot part and the rest of it you've just let go (laughs) and it's working out just fine for you. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's important that, you know, again, when someone clicks on that site on, on uh, Amazon, that they say, oh, wow, this guy has a lot of things. I mean, I, I've read a, a number of series that I enjoyed, and then it's painful waiting six months or a year for the next in the series to oh, yeah. come out, you know? Yeah, and, especially and, now. I mean, we were used yeah. to it 10 years ago. Yeah, But now we're not. <laughs> I mean, the, the days of uh, a, a book release uh, coming every 18 months. In fact, I was at a, uh, oh, uh, uh, a, a publisher's uh, sort of open house, and uh, the, they uh, said point blank, uh, you know, if we accepted your manuscript tonight, it would be 18 months before it's released. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. 18 months, that just isn't, I mean, that's maybe the way it used to be, but it doesn't work today. Um, holy cow. And in fact, it's interesting today, uh, currently right now, in fact, last night I, w- I was reading a, a book by a, you know internationally known guy who's you know been picked up for movies and done TV shows mm-hmm. and everything uh, in, in my general uh, genre. And uh, God, I, I, you know, when I'm catching misspellings and typos, <laughs> it's really bad. You're right. You know, because I'm not that good. And uh Wow. I mean, I, I think I caught five last night. Um, it's just, holy cow. Yeah, and I, I, get, I get a lot of advanced reader copies of books because of the other show I do, crimefiction.fm. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times I'll see those and I'll go, oh, that's just an arc. And they'll catch that. And then I'll look back and it's not an arc. It's the final version. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's incredible. There, the, the difference between a well done indie book and uh, and a traditionally published book now is so slight. Uh, and in many cases, there is no difference at all. And I think readers yeah. are catching on to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, obviously, I have a prejudiced viewpoint, but my sense is is that the uh, um, traditional world has more or less circled the wagons. And um, they're hanging on. And, um, yeah. I, you know, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what develops. But it, it, certainly if you're a, a youngster, you're reading online. And I would say anyone under, the majority of people under 50 are, and, and, and a good number of them over. Yeah, I know a lot are. of people that are my age and older that, that read on Kindles. They still will like oh, to yeah. read on paper. I don't even like to read on paper anymore. When I, when I get a physical book in the mail, it's like, ugh. I've got to read it that way. Well, I've got to turn the light on to read no, the book. Well, and that I can't adjust the copy size. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's talk for a minute about the Mike Pharisee team. You, you've mentioned, you know, the quality of the books, things like that. You've mentioned covers. How much of this do you do? Uh, editing, copy editing. Uh, you mentioned that you've you've hooked up with a guy or a, a company that helps you with marketing. Uh, describe mm-hmm. your team to the listeners, if you would. Okay. Um, on the editing end, I, I constantly edit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm writing, I, let's say I write 10 pages a day. The first thing I do tomorrow is go back and edit those 10 pages. Uh, and then I keep, I, I probably go through the work uncountable times mm-hmm. uh, before I send it off to editors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got a couple that I use, and they catch a number of things. And um, I'll be honest, every once in a while, while, there's a couple of things they miss. Uh, it might be something very basic, like the difference between your, Y-O-U-R, right. and apostrophe R-E. Uh, uh, of and if, I am uh, infamous on uh, <laughs> goofing up. But uh, we try and do our best. Now, the wonderful thing about uh, e-publishing is, 
if if I hear about that chain or that error, I can correct it in four minutes and have it uploaded. Now let me ask. Let me interrupt and ask you a quick question because mm-hmm. as a reader, I oftentimes wonder if the author would appreciate a. a a kindly written email saying, you know, I think you'd probably want to know this and I know you could change it quickly, or does that come off as obnoxious? No, I, I really appreciate it. And usually when someone does that for me, uh, I'll send them an email back saying, thank you very much. And if you're reading this book, can I send you the next one for free? Okay. Uh, if, if for no other reason than to correct it and then the Everyone else who gets it uh, won't have that error. Right. I want right. to make it as perfect as possible. Yeah, it seems and we like the that. right thing to do as a reader, but I have, I've spoken to authors who have said like, oh, you know, I get these emails from readers and they're so nitpicky about things. I'm like, well, I, I guess maybe well, I shouldn't there, send it. <laughs> there, no, there is that. I mean, yeah. if it's a misspelling or a typo, yeah. Now, I've, I've had it. Well, you know, your comma here, uh, it's not exactly... Yeah, that's uh, a different way, thing, yeah. You know, or uh, she's a head woman. I just hate it when you take the Lord's name in vain. Well, what <laughs> you know, what do you expect criminals to talk like? You know, <laughs> and I try and tone that stuff down, but um, it, it just, uh, okay. You know, uh, and everyone's entitled to their viewpoint, and they, I always, if, if they contact me, I always send them a nice email back. Uh, you know, it's it's um, it's it's just customer service. At yeah. That point. All right. I, I got I got you off track. You were talking about your your team, the editing process, and yes. covers, and etc. So, et cetera, so et cetera. I've got the so ed- editors. Mm-hmm. I've I've got the covers. I give. Uh, I have the title, and I have an idea of what uh, the cover should look like. And I usually send, uh, call it a half dozen different sample ideas. Uh, to the guy who does my covers. Um, he puts maybe three options together. We look at it. Uh, usually I like them all. Um, we've already discussed the background color. Uh, and there is a formula to them. Uh, and so a lot of that is uh, you know, standardized, if I can use that term. Mm-hmm. And away we go. I, when I send out for a cover, when I send him information, here it is, here are my ideas, I'll have something back within a week, week and a half. Uh, and I'm just down on that. You know, I, you get used to that schedule, and um, it's there's no delay or anything waiting. Uh, by the time the book is ready to be published, the cover's uh, been there okay. for a while. And then, then uh, you've got the guy that helps with with your marketing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I should stress actually a woman. Okay, and and she's got a team of people who um, uh, you know contact everyone from uh, BookBub to other, you know, Pixel of Ink and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the same thing, uh, contacting things like that. I'll, uh, uh, when I have a release or when there's a, maybe a freebie or a price change or something like that, I'll do the promo on the individual sites like Facebook and things. Mm-hmm. I will spend an hour doing that in a day, not more than that. It's, it's standard sites that you go to that have enough uh, volume to, mm-hmm. to warrant it. Those things together... Uh, and it's a very informal relationship on all counts. Uh, uh, again, I'm um, I'm very good at groveling, Steve. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, occasionally I, I will give you one example on my uh, my book uh, Bulldog. 
which has the sort of a, a cartoonish image of a bulldog on the cover. Uh, it doesn't refer to a dog. It refers to an individual whose name is Bulldog. And uh, my, my original idea for a cover and the cover that I had done originally was uh, just sort of this head of a bulldog on its side with a tongue hanging out and X's where the eyes should be clearly dead. And uh, my marketing woman contacted me immediately and said, uh, don't do this. This is really stupid. Uh, and she was right. And so I've got a you know, different cover on there. Uh, and that's the type of feedback that uh, a knucklehead like me uh, needs. And, and uh, hopefully I continue to listen to that good advice. And, and believe me, they've given me a lot of good advice. So. Now, the cover of the new book, Doggone, is yeah. is. Perfect. And we'll get into, in a couple minutes, we'll get into the story of Dog Gone and why that cover is so perfect. But as you're talking about the covers, I just, when I looked at all of your books this morning when I was prepping for the interview, you know, sometimes you start reading a book and you forget what the cover looks like when you read digitally. And I saw that and I thought, yeah. man, is that ever perfect? So we'll get, we'll get back to that. Okay. Um, Let's talk a little bit about discoverability. We've been kind of bouncing around there, and, and you've, you've mentioned things like BookBub and Facebook and your mailing list. Are there any other things that you, that you either have done that worked particularly well or you see maybe some changes coming uh, well, that, that, the, that you might start trying? Changes coming. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for <laughs> someone's going to replace Facebook. They've really... Um, oh. For yes. a guy like me, uh, I, I, I forget the percentage, but I think whatever I post, 5% of viewers see it. Mm -hmm. That's getting pretty lean, yes. awful lean. Uh, I have tried, they have a thing on there where you, you can boost your post mm -hmm. for a modest sum, and it is a modest sum. And I've tried that, and and it, it just hasn't worked for me. Okay, you know, fine. Uh, I just see something else happen. Um, some people are looking at Pinterest. I don't know. I find that hard to negotiate Goodreads. I find that hard to get through. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, but there's going to be something else out there. I've tried Twitter. Uh, modest mixed success there. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's tough to track. I mean, how do you, how do you track if you just tweet things and see if sales go up. I mean, you know, right, right. Yeah, it, it's it, it's possible to track to see what kind of engagement you get, but you don't know right. whether, in, unless you're really into it and, and you've got different Amazon uh, affiliate links for each each thing that you do, there's no way to tell. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that's it's kind of a, a, a left field type of thing, but I, I post a quote every day, usually from, but not always from, a writer. And anyone from Mark Twain to Janet Ivanovich. Mm -hmm. um, in posting those, I'm amazed at the number of people who ignore who, the, who really did the quote and, and attribute it to me. And suddenly I'm this really bright guy, you know, which is really a joke. Uh, but um, th that's just amazing. And I have had a ton of people uh, follow me because of those quotes. Uh, just interesting. And But th what that translates to is then when I do promote uh, a title uh, on a day, mm -hmm. I've got that many more people uh, looking at it or checking my site to see what's there. And, and there's my my promotion. I'm very cautious about promoting too much. And I'm, I'm aware of some people who do that. And it's just kind of, after a while, it, it, it's just dismissive. I mean, you just do away with it. Right. And, and those quotes are good. They're short. They're 
you know, there are two lines. It, it's, it's, yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't say it's hard to believe people don't realize in a two-line quote with the, uh, with the person who gave the quote being named at the end that they could get that wrong, but of course they could. Something you might want to try that would be relatively inexpensive, you could, you could hire someone to do it on Fiverr or something, is to do, like redo some of those quotes, but do it with an image. Uh, do yeah. it with the image yeah. of the person that's being quoted, and then you could use that on Pinterest and Facebook, and you could probably get a hundred of those for, you know, maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, the, the the image thing is, uh, uh, well, now we're back to my uh, technical inability. Yes. Yeah, that's why I suggested you use someone on Fiverr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it it can be done, but it's time consuming to do that stuff. All right. Now, we, we've talked a lot about your business, and we've talked tangentially uh, about the books and the series. Um, I think people probably have a sense of the Dev Haskell series. You've got a new series coming out, but first let's talk about the, the latest Dev Haskell book, Doggone, and then I'll explain why I think the cover is so brilliant. Give us a okay. storyline for Doggone, if you would, Mike. Sure. Um uh, doggone is a story. Uh, Dev Haskell uh, has a girlfriend who has to leave town on a medical, a family medical emergency. She has a golden retriever, and uh, she, you know, gets a call from her folks that she's got to be down in Atlanta. Uh, the call comes through, I think, after midnight or something. She's on an early morning flight, and to be a nice guy, Dev uh, decides to take the dog for two days. The dog is uh, on a strict uh, health food dog diet, and uh, sees a therapist as you mentioned, and uh, you know this girl uh, sits on the floor with him when he when he's eating breakfast and dinner, and takes him for two two hour, or hour long walks every uh, every day, and you know well. Dev ends up with the dog uh, uh, over the course of a week, and by the end of the week, as you mentioned, he's uh, now we we were talking before the uh, the interview started, so you're referring to some things that people haven't heard. So okay, uh, some of these things. Uh, dog, uh, the, the dog ends up eating uh, barbecued potato chips and drinking beer and basically becoming a ne'er-do-well, just like yeah, Dev. Yeah, basically becoming Dev, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the thrust of the story is Dev ultimately uh, is hired to provide, quote-unquote, protection for a woman who's working her French poodle named Princess Anastasia uh, as a show dog. There's a big regional show. Uh, that they're involved in, and she wants to do this without interference. Uh, Dev and, and Morton, the dog, uh, then um, uh, go to uh, provide uh, protection and, and ultimately uh, uh, get involved with providing protection at the uh, uh, competition show and things like that. And, so. and just as Dev is, Dev's head can be turned by a pretty face, uh, Morton's mm-hmm. head uh, was turned by uh, Princess Anastasia. <laughs> yeah, Princess Anastasia, who wants nothing to do with him, and, and and uh, he, of course, Morton is uh, uh, love struck, and and she uh, basically turns her head the other way. And oh, she's uh, uh, this white white French poodle is usually wearing a blue beret and uh, sometimes a cape and things like that. You know. And so the cover, the cover of the book, and I'll have that in the show notes, and you should also check it out on Amazon. The cover is just beautiful. It's just Morton and the poodle, and it's just perfect. The, you know, they're it, it's just perfect. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I've, I, I, as I mentioned, I am bowled over by the response I have gotten from people. They just love it, and as I say, Morton will be back. I, you know, I can see a whole Morton and Dev series coming. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, 
it's uh, it's just been crazy. I mean, it really did blindside me, and uh, what a nice problem to have, you know. Yes, and as we've we've talked, this is a, a lighthearted series. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun. It's entertaining. There are a lot of laughs. It's, it's a laugh out loud, funny stuff. In fact, I was reading last night and sharing some lines with my wife, especially about the dog eating potato chips, which uh, she didn't find funny at all. But <laughs> but you're starting she's it. responsible. Yes, yes, but uh, but you're starting a new series that's uh, a little bit less lighthearted. Yeah, the uh, new series is called Corridor Man. Uh, the first one will be out in uh, September. Uh, what it basically is is of uh, an attorney who's disbarred, uh, and after serving time, uh, he returns and. Um, He can't practice law, and he becomes a corridor man. He uh, delivers subpoenas. He uh, uh, gets people uh, in court, uh, delivers them there so they can testify. And he's, uh, through a series of events, he's working for a a large firm, but again, theoretically not practicing law. Uh, It's a lot darker and a bit more violent than... uh, than the Dev Haskell series, I would say sort of a cross between um, uh, maybe uh, uh, House of Cards and uh, uh, oh, I don't know, Breaking Bad. Uh, <laughs> <What? that. laughs> you should be in the movie business. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if they called? You know. <laughs> so what's what's the future of the Dev series then? The Dev series is going to continue. Um, uh, probably another release coming out this fall. Good grief! Uh, how many? How are you doing all this? Even I working seven days a week? I don't sleep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a labor of love, and I, you know, capital L on both those words. But I, I really love doing it. So it is. It is not work for me. Um, it, it's just very enjoyable, and I work very hard at it. But it, it is enjoyable. And fortunately, it's a labor of love, but it's paying you in actual money, which is yeah, uh, what yeah, we focus we on here. So, yeah, uh, Mike, yeah. this has been terrific. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And if, if Mike's books sound even the least bit interesting to you, give them a try. I, I absolutely adore them, and I, I think you will as well. Mike, what's the best way for people to keep up with you? Because I know it's not your website. Um, you know what? They can check me out on uh, Facebook. I, I'm just at Mike Farisy, F-A-R-I-C-Y. Uh, and if they pick up any of my books, there's all sorts of places they can contact me from direct email to Twitter to Facebook. And it's all right there in the back of the book. Hey, if you will email me uh, the link to your mailing list, I'll post that in the show notes as well. Terrific. All right. So thanks very much, Mike. This is this has been terrific. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate it. Great to spend time with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mike, for being on the show. One of the things I try and do with this podcast is to highlight the different ways in which authors can have success with their business. Mike's approach has worked well for him, and it saves him the time and trouble it takes to chase the new shiny things that are being preached at us by publishers and others who claim expert status in our business. The one constant we see in the business right now is change. If you're not on the cutting edge, and let's face it, being on the cutting edge takes a lot of time and energy. But anyway, if you're not on the cutting edge, if you come late to the idea du jour party, it's often too late. The sad truth is that people selling solutions are often making a lot more money selling their solutions 
than they're making selling their books. Or, as one post I saw on Facebook last week put it, want to make a million dollars as an indie author? First write a book titled, How to Make a Million Dollars as an Indie Author. I thought that was funny. So that's it for episode 50. Have a great week in your author biz, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening.